I got to work one day and I just looked around and I was like, this is not, this is not where I belong at all. So I just like put my sneakers back on, got my breakfast. I walked out and I took the train back home. Wait, what do you mean it's over? Hello, how can I help? Hey everyone, welcome back to Parties for Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. And today, not much for updates from either of us, but we do have a very exciting guest on this week, which we are thrilled to have. She's a fellow Mainer, and her name is Lisa Steele. And believe it or not, in the episode, we refer to Lisa as a chicken content creator. I thought you were going to say... We, we meaning you, referred to Lisa as Liz, like, every time. I did keep doing that on accident. I couldn't help it. It was funny. No, Lisa's amazing. She has the most amazing career ever. She's written, what was it, seven books? Yes. Um, blogs, Instagram, and she does it all. Started on Wall Street, ended up living, now she, you know, lives in Maine and has written all these books and done all these amazing things, been all on all these amazing talk shows and, like, she we were just really blown away by her so yeah you're so excited to have her on yeah you haven't said this yet but you may know her as fresh eggs daily you probably follow her on instagram and yeah i thought it was a great episode it's a great it is a great episode to show like a career trajectory and how things can change i i know a lot of times we have people on that are this similar age to us but like from my perspective, I love seeing like a full career laid out in front of me and how many things changed in her career and how she was pretty much happy at every stage, but is now in like her full blown like passion. So it's just nice to see. It's like similar to when we had Bonnie on and she's like now doing her passion. And it's like yeah. sometimes it's not always, you know, easy right from the beginning and you have to wait to get that later, but like mm-hmm. enjoy the ride on the way. I agree. I feel like it was, I could take something, you can take something from it at any stage of your career. And I loved it. And she did such a, like, like we said, she did such a great job and she's done so many interesting things. We talk about uh, book deals. We talk about blogs. We talk about what, like, if you want to get started raising chickens, what's that like? What's, I don't even know. We talk about everything. So uh, bookstores, bookstores, there's all sorts of twists and turns here, everyone. But with that being said, let's get into the episode with Lisa. Hi, everyone. We are so, so, so excited. Today, we have Lisa Steele on the podcast from Fresh Eggs Daily. And Liz and I are huge fans. We've, I think we discovered Lisa maybe like three, four months ago, I think, on Instagram. And welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Thank you so much. Yeah. And Lisa, will you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? You want to give yourself a quick introduction? Yeah. So my name is Lisa Steele. As I mentioned, I live in Maine. I write books about raising chickens. And we have chickens, ducks, and geese on our farm here, and a corgi and a barn cat. So we just kind of hang out in the, the middle of nowhere in Maine and just do my thing. And people seem to enjoy it. 
I love it. I it's definitely on brand. We've had someone actually on before that's done home that does homesteading. And that was one of our, like, people loved that episode. It was so interesting. So a lot of people want to get into it. And I think, especially after the pandemic, it's one of those things where people really wanted to just have their, I don't know, have their own stuff. And also in today where you don't know what is in the food that you're eating and such, um, it is nice. So yeah, we will start by saying, uh, we always ask everyone the same question. What was your dream job growing up? I'm sure you probably didn't piece together that you were going to be writing books about raising chickens and ducks and such. Um, but what was your dream job and what did you expect your life to kind of look like? Yeah, I could not have anticipated this <laughs> in a million years. Actually, my dream job, you guys will get it because you live in New England, but I wanted to be the person that took the photos of the ice cream for the friendly menus. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. I think that's the best answer we've ever had. That's the most specific I mean, answer we've ever had. It's so funny. And I didn't even remember that until I kind of came full circle in the cookbook and started really getting into more culinary things. And all of a sudden it just popped in my head. I mean, we used to go like every time we got our report cards or like if my brother's basketball game won, you know, we'd get a, a Sunday at Friendly's. And I just remember those, you know, full color, glossy menus of all the ice creams. And I was so fascinated about like how the ice cream didn't melt and how they took the pictures. So I guess way back when I wanted to be a food photographer, when that wasn't even a career, like, can you imagine me going to my guidance counselor and saying that they would have been like, that's not a thing. So you can't do that. <laughs> oh, definitely. You definitely would have got some, uh, choose a backup plan. Do you have any, in any of your cookbooks or anything, some kind of ice cream recipe? I feel like you owe it to yourself mm -hmm. to have like the perfect, I, and then you did it. <laughs> I do. And I, you know, I didn't in the, the head notes, I didn't mention that, but I probably should have. But yeah, I do have my blog. I have a plain vanilla ice cream and then a couple like a maple walnut and mint. I love making ice cream. Um, but yeah, I was so obsessed with it that I actually bought a book that was a secondhand store in the town I grew up in. And I found a book actually on like secrets of how they made the food look like they did for like TV commercials and how, you know, like they'd spray the turkeys with whatever, you know, like not brown spray paint, but something and like ice cream and sometimes butter. And it was this whole book of all the secrets. And I was like, that's what I'm going to be. And instead I went and was an accountant. So, okay. Well then I guess that's our next one. We, we were going to ask, where did you go to college and how was your experience? What did you study? And what was that like? Yeah. So somehow I got talked into being an accountant. You know, it was the whole guidance counselor thing. Like you can be a nurse, you can be a teacher, you can be whatever. I was like, I'll be an accountant. Like that makes sense to me. You, you go to school, you learn accounting, you go be an accountant. Like I saw a career path. Um, so I did that. I went to Bryant college in Rhode Island, which is now Bryant university, I guess. And, you know, college was great. Living away at college is great. I learned some accounting, drank a little, you know, <laughs> Did you grow up in Maine? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Central Mass. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then what was post-grad like? What was your first accounting job like? Were you in there being like, this is it for me? Or were you struggling a bit being like, mm, not exactly what I had in mind? I mean, I really did like school. I liked back then it was like everything was on paper. So we had like the ledger paper and you had your columns and everything had to balance. And I really loved that because I am like pretty methodical and I like when, when things make sense like that. So I, I really did like accounting. And then I moved to Long Island. I started working on Wall Street and it was super fun. It was a bunch of young people 
you know, it was our first job. So it was fun. Like you sat in a cubicle, you went out to lunch with everybody, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I, I really did kind of like it at first. It took a couple of years before reality set in and I was like, what the heck am I doing? This is like the most boring profession in the world. And then at that point, did you start like exploring different hobbies or did you start exploring like, how can I change my career? So at that point, I quit my job, like cold turkey just walked out one day and I opened a bookstore on Long Island. Wow. I, um, yeah. So I had been commuting, you know, like a half hour each way for like six years. And this was before the internet and cell. Well, I guess there was the internet, but it was like before cell phones and all that. And everybody was reading day after day people it's, they weren't reading the newspaper they were reading books and I thought you know if I open a bookstore like right by the train station that people could you know pop in on their way to work grab a book or if they finished their book on the way home they could pick up a book so I decided to do that that sounds <laughs> and, so nice um, it was it was really funny I loved it and it was it coincidentally I think it was the same year that Amazon started so like online book selling had kind of just started but again, you know, people weren't like glued to their cell phones. I don't think there were Kindles or anything. So people were still reading actual books. And like, I loved it. You know, people would just come in. I'd talk to them. I've always been a big reader. I'd help them pick out books. Um, it really kind of was the dream job. And like looking back, everything you do brings you to where you end up. And it's these little pieces and steps that you put together. And it, it all like kind of makes sense at the end, even though it doesn't maybe while you're doing it. How long did you run the bookstore for? Six years, maybe. Wow. Seven years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Also, I have to know, what was it called? It was called Barely Bent Books. It was used <laughs> books and new books, you know, because someone would finish their book and they could trade it in and get a new one. Nice. You know, people reading on the train, they're just like blowing through paperbacks, you know, so it was kind of mm -hmm. like a book swap type um, situation. I knew how to run a business. I knew profit margins and cost of goods and how to do my taxes and all that kind of stuff, which was super helpful. I, I cannot even imagine how helpful that would be. So I last year ran the books for a construction company. And it's one of those things that as much as it was like very intense and really hard to learn, I am so thankful because it will, that will help me throughout my whole life. I now understand like business taxes, okay, how things run. It really does make a difference. And these days, everybody, I don't care if you're an influencer on Instagram, you're running a business technically right. and you need to know if you're earning money and you need to pay your estimated taxes and you need to you know, do all the things that you need to do when you run a business. So yeah, I would absolutely, if I had to do it over again, I would still get an accounting degree because I think it has been super helpful. Very true. That's such a great point. It's one of those things that, like you just said, it all equals like the bigger picture. All these steps led you to where you are. So it's really interesting to look back on foreshadowing. <laughs> Very interesting. Mm -hmm. It does seem like each step of your life, like lined you up to where you are now. W were you interested in cooking growing up or like in your earlier life? Like, was that a big part or a big hobby that you had? It was. And again, you know, looking back, I didn't, put it all together I've actually heard that whatever you like when you're two or three years old is what career you should go into because interest and and you know kind of like not dexterity but like the kind of things that you're good at it back then and I remember sitting with my mom going through like McCall's and good housekeeping and cutting out recipes and pasting them on little note cards I had like a little recipe box I got my Girl Scout badge in cooking 
So yeah, I was, my mom was a stay at home mom and she cooked every meal, you know, so I was cooking right along with her, um, child labor as it was. <laughs> I know now I'm like trying to look back. I'm like, what was I interested in two and at, you know, ages two and three, my mom claims my first word was com. I don't, I don't know if I buy it, but she does claim that. And, you know, I'm in marketing, so maybe it, maybe it kind of fits. <laughs> She's um, like, mom, 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 you're like, dot com. Dot com. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So can I also ask what, so how soon after, so you're post-grad, you're in your accounting job. How soon after did the bookstore leap kind of start? You know what I mean? Are we talking like two years, five years? So, well, I started when I was 21. I did want, I did get my CPA license. I mean, I was like all gung-ho when I first started being an accountant. I was like, I'm going to be a CPA. I'm going to get my series seven, you know, stockbroker license. I got my series 27, which is the financial part of the stockbroker. I think you had to work for two years, like as your work experience after you passed the exam, it took me like a year to prep. I mean, so probably five years, six years, something like that. I know life yeah. is supposed to go in seven year cycles, but I'm a little bit of an overachiever. So I think I do like five or six year cycles. Well, okay. So then, so we are, so, okay. So we do that after we get all this stuff, you think you have this big, long career in wall street switch, you go over, start a bookstore. And then does this, when does the blog sort of kick in? What does that look like? Okay. So at that point I met my husband who was in the Navy stationed in Florida. Mm-hmm. So that was long distance, didn't really work. <laughs> so I could sort of put an end to the bookstore. I actually ended up selling it to a customer. I tried to, after we got married, I tried to, um, you know, manage it. I had a manager and I tried to manage it long distance from Florida, but I was really handling just all the crappy parts of it. And I wasn't doing the fun stuff. You know, I wasn't talking to the customers. I wasn't recommending books. I wasn't, you know, holding the books and being with the books. I was just like, you know, paying the bills and handling the problems. So I sold the bookstore to a customer. So then I just had a bunch of like, you know, entry level, low paying. Like I I just really bounced around a lot. Didn't find anything really that I wanted to do that was worth doing. And he got transferred to Virginia. So we were there and um, we got the chickens. It was 2009, you know, so everyone was like, you know, homesteading. I want to raise chickens. I want to make soap. I want to raise goats, everything. And I honestly started the blog. I started the blog in 2012, honestly, just for something to do. I was bored. I was going out of my mind. Like I just needed an outlet, like some kind of creative outlet. What did you think that like at that time, that's when people were kind of starting getting into the internet and like blogging and videos and all of that. What did you ever think like, oh, this could grow into something or like, what was the initial thoughts of like reading other people's blogs and being like, what is going to happen with this world? It's funny because being like having the entrepreneurial spirit, as I obviously do, it never dawned on me that I could earn money blogging. Like I literally started writing articles because people were asking me questions on Facebook and I just got annoyed answering the same questions over and over again. So I was using the blog side kind of as an archive where I could just write out, you know, the article and share the link. And I thought that made sense and it was organized and I'd write out, you know, like 20 posts, the most common questions. And I could just refer back because back then Facebook was it, you know, that was like the end all and be all of everything. So I was completely focused on Facebook book and the blog was just an archive honestly and it wasn't until a couple months after I started that 
another chicken blogger said to me, you know, brands will pay you to put an ad on your blog. And that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, I completely missed this whole thing. And uh, I got a couple ads and I was off and running. I think, I think that first year I made like $23,000 on my blog, which looking back really isn't bad, you know, for a, a brand new site. No, that's pretty good. Yeah. Can, can you imagine like telling your, I don't know, your 21 year old self, like, hi, in a few years, you're actually going to do this thing completely, completely different. And it's going to be your full-time job at some point. Um, crazy to think about. So, okay. So you have the blog, you're starting to realize like, okay, this might be more, uh, than a hobby and tell us what it was like just having a blog in that time. I don't know the excitement of, like you said, like negotiating your first, I don't even know how, how you went about that, but like negotiating your first ad deal. Um, what are people thinking when you're like, Hey guys, I'm making money from my blog. Like this is actually my job. What is that like? (laughs) Um, yeah, it was funny. I mean, I think I charged like $10 a month for the first ads. And I just reached out to, you know, the companies whose products I was using and that I liked and my Facebook page at that point had grown pretty large. So most of the people in the chicken keeping community, you know, the brands and things knew who I was at least. And I was writing freelance articles for, you know, some of the newspaper, uh, some of the, the websites or, you know, like chickens magazine, Beckford poultry magazine. I picked up you know, jobs doing that, which also didn't pay very well, but it was a good way to get my name out there. So yeah, for the first few years, I was basically just giving away the ad space, you know, and then as my blog kept growing and then I got my first book deal, my first book came out in 2015, maybe. Where did someone approach you about the book deal or were you kind of thinking like, I'm ready for this next step. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. At that point I probably had, I don't know, like, you know, a hundred articles or something. And I remember I was in Barnes and Noble one day with my husband and we were looking through books and there were some chicken books. And I thought, you know, maybe I should just write a book. (laughs) So I wrote up a proposal and I pitched it out to five of the, um, you know, imprints or publishers that wrote similar type books. And I got two no's, one maybe, one no response, and one publisher said yes. So I had a book deal. I got the uh, email when I was standing in line at the grocery store one day, and they said, you know, would like to publish your book. And I was like, well, this is pretty cool then. So what's it like, what's involved in writing a proposal for a book do you how did you learn how to do that did you just like write up an x amount of page you know proposal send it off so it was interesting I did have a friend who had written a a chicken book and I called her and asked her kind of you know like how did she go about it and she gave me really great advice to go to the bookstore or look on Amazon and look for similar books that you kind of would envision your book looking like you know, how they're printed, how they're bound, how they look, and then find out who published them and then find their website. And they all have submission guidelines. So some might want, you know, a one paragraph summary of your book. Some might want a table of contents. Some, you know, might want some examples of your photography or a sample title. I mean, they're all kind of similar, but they have their own quirks. And this is for nonfiction. For fiction, I I think it's completely different. I think for fiction, you actually have to submit your entire manuscript 
but for nonfiction, they really just want an outline of, of what you have in mind. What mm. uh, I can't imagine. So what's your husband thinking when you're like, I'm writing a chicken book? <laughs> you know, I think at that point, well, even now he's still like, I can't believe this is all happening. Um, but, you know, he was still working. He was in the Navy. And, um, you know, I was just kind of doing my thing. I was staying busy and, you know, just whatever. So um, that book was pretty easy because it was pretty much my blog. You know, I took mm-hmm. a bunch of the information in my articles and put them into book form. And that book came out. And then they gave me a deal for a second book. Um, I think that came out two years later. And then I did end up moving to a larger publisher. Um, my current publisher didn't like my idea about a book about gardening with chickens. <laughs> and so I went to a mid-sized publisher that a friend wrote for, and I ended up writing four books for them, like every you know year and a half or whatever, another book would come out. And I loved my editor there. And it just kind of got to the point where I finish a book and send the bits ended off to the printer and he'd say, what do you want to write next? You know, once I had a track record of sales and they know that the books were going to sell, I got a lot of leeway with the subject matter. So you've been busy the last few years. You're always writing the next book, it seems like. Well, okay, Pretty so much. then let me just ask yeah. you, what is what does life look like for you today? So, well, so just to back up, we did move to, my husband retired, I think when my fourth book was coming out and we moved to Maine. And that's the point where we decided we were going to cut ties. We were going to you know, just kind of live. This book thing was working. The blog thing was working. So um, we did move to Maine then. And then, you know, I wrote two more books, whatever. So now- Well, let me, sorry, um, let me stop. You do ties to Maine or how did you Yeah, he went went to Maine Maritime. Um, Oh. He's from Massachusetts as well. And his dad, well, his parents had a house here in Mariahville. So summers, school vacations, they would always come up here and stay at the farmhouse. So, yeah, we knew we were definitely going to come back to New England and not really excited about going back to Massachusetts. So seven books in your belt. Okay. And then, yes. So you live in Maine now. And what does life look like for you? Do you still, you know, what's the blog? How regularly are we there? I know now you're where you're you're focused on. The blog at this point has sort of just become passive income for the most part during most of COVID, since I wasn't traveling, I wasn't doing book signings or really anything. Um, I spent a lot of COVID going back, cleaning up a lot of the old posts, taking better pictures. I did not know what SEO was for like the first five years (laughs) that I was blogging. So, you know, optimizing them, whatever. And at this point, you know, the blog, I get so much organic traffic that the blog really has become passive income. I rarely Mm -hmm. write new content most of my best performing content are my first earliest posts because those were the things that you know the people were asking me the most and that were I thought were most important so to just write for the sake of writing and it kind of like puff pieces doesn't really make sense to me so that's kind of chugging along and it's a steady source of income I did sign up with an ad network I still do work you know directly with brands um I do charge a lot more than $10 a month now, <laughs> but that's kind of nice because that's kind of income I can depend on. You know, it's not exactly yeah. the same every day or every week, or every month, but it's pretty constant. And then other so that's nice. social platforms like coming out during your career have certainly changed kind of your, like it keeps it so fresh. I would think now you're like, oh, I was making content for the blog, but now how can that, you know, go into Instagram now? 
yeah, and I, kind of, I was a little late to the Instagram game because I was so focused on Facebook and have a huge following on Facebook, which now basically is worthless because engagement is so bad. Um, but yeah, I'm focusing on Instagram. You know, it's great for brand work, you know, just getting to know the people, journalists. Um, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've kind of, you know, met a lot of celebrities who have chickens and we, we chit chat about our chickens, which is, is really weird, you know, because it really is actually them with their phone on Instagram where it's not them on, you know, Facebook or whatever. It must be so interesting. Like maybe some, like a friend, or if you're at like a reunion or something like from college, like people that maybe hadn't seen you in a while and they're like, oh yeah, she's an accountant. And then you're like, oh no, no, I left that. I wrote seven chicken books. I live in Maine. (laughs) Like like someone getting like, I would say, we could almost title her a chicken content creator. It's really, yeah, right. as, a, as a whole, we've got books, social media content, blog. Um, YouTube, I do have YouTube. a bunch of videos. I, I did actually, a bunch of my sorority sisters this summer who I have not spoken to since college, um, they went away on some kind of getaway. They were a few years behind me and they brought a copy of my cookbook and oh. they cooked recipes from it oh. all week and they shared the photos and they wrote reviews on Amazon and they were really so sweet considering I haven't spoken to them in all this time. Yeah, I think they were kind of surprised. Well, I, that's actually a great question to ask. What, yeah, what's the support been like from people in your life, especially with this being like, I mean, for those of you that aren't seeing her Instagram, she was 115 followers on Instagram. Thousands. So- 115,000, sorry, 115,000 115, followers on Instagram. So we can, you know, imagine how successful the blog is and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and such. So what has the support been like? What is, I don't know, especially in, I guess, in your younger, earlier, like young, earlier career days of, again, being like, I write chicken books. What does that look like? I have to say, I really love that I've written a cookbook because now I can just say I'm a cookbook author. You know, a lot of times, like, you know, you're on a plane and the person next to you says, oh, where are you going? You know, business or pleasure. Oh, what do you do? And to have to say, I write books about chickens and then see them like, try not to laugh. You know? So I so relate, but separate even from the chicken thing, what's it been like from the, you know, the success, like seeing those kind of things, the friends that you haven't talked to in years supporting you, or what's the support been like in Maine, especially have you like received some support in the Maine community? Mm-hmm. I actually was at the opening of the Duluth trading. Uh, yeah. The Duluth trading um, store in outside of Portland a couple of years ago, we had a book signing there, you know, the day they opened the store and the line was out the door and it was really wonderful. And my roommate from college, who again, I had not seen in a bazillion years came and she stood in line and, you know, bought her, her book. And I just thought that was amazing that she drove, you know, I had another friend drive up from New York when I did a book signing in Connecticut. So I think that they're like, in a way they sort of take ownership, you know, because they knew me when type mm-hmm. thing, you know, a friend I used to work with at Morgan Stanley, um, who I've kept in touch with. And, you know, she's just like, it's just so funny to see your career just like veer completely off the rails, you know, in a good way. It kind of shows like, you didn't seem like you were unhappy necessarily in your career at any point it seemed like oh you liked it but there was always maybe something else but it does show like at any point in your life like things can just totally change and you can find like something that's so perfect that you would have never even like lined yourself up for like it just kind of 
came to later on. Something that's better. Even the chickens, you know, I've, I've been having a blast doing the social media, doing, you know, book signings at feed stores and writing the books and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, I had a TV show on New Center Maine for two years. And then I wrote the cookbook and I realized that I, I do really like my chickens, but I love cooking and baking and talking about eggs and just doing a lot of the press for the cookbook. I realized that's where my real passion is. It really is not about the chickens. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, as my husband says, we're not getting rid of the chickens. That's your bread and butter. Like that's, that's where I rank. You know, I would never mm -hmm. rank as a food blogger. It's so competitive. So I'm fortunate that I have this huge following because of chicken keeping, which is a much smaller community. So it's easier to, you know, kind of rise through the ranks. Um, and then all these people obviously cook and they have a ton of eggs. So they're still interested in, in the cooking aspect of it, but it, it allowed me to get a really great cookbook deal that I, if I were a food blogger, I, I would never have stood out from the path. Genius. What a genius idea. Like it, it makes, everyone always tells you to niche down and start that way. And then you can always expand. And this is a perfect example of it. Like what a specific niche. And then I love the fact that you guys connected the dots to be like, huh, the same people that love hearing about us raising chickens, that they get a lot of eggs, that they need to know how to use those eggs. And everybody has to eat, you know, my, my book yes. is doing really well. And my, my agent even said the other day, you know, she said for someone who was not in the cooking community at all I mean nobody knew you nobody knew your name nobody followed you for your recipes you know I did them on my blog just for fun she said you know to be to have the book selling as well as it is is really a great sign you know it's my passion I, I realized yeah I have to tell you you're living my mom's dream life a hundred percent this is like her absolute dream is like to somehow just you know, like she doesn't know what's, what's going to come one day. And then she finds out in X amount of years, she has a cookbook deal and she raises chickens. So you are, she, this will be her favorite episode. She's definitely been so excited <laughs> to listen to just, we haven't had anyone on that's written a cookbook and you are living her dream life. Can you talk to us a little bit about just like, like your passion, like homesteading, talk to us about what what kind of content is in these blogs and these books and talk to us a little bit about that part of it you know it's funny because I just saw her on Twitter yesterday I think some random person tweeted that behind every homesteading woman is a husband who works in IT you know basically saying that <laughs> you know it's there's a lot of faux homesteading going on you know that you're canning the peaches for the blog post, but it's not something you're doing on a regular basis, you know, and, and I'm guilty of that too. A lot of the things that I, I did for my blog, especially the chicken treats, you know, just trying to come up with new content and different content before I realized I don't need to do that. I can just rely on my, you know, great evergreen content that is what people are looking for. But, you know, I'd, I'd make these elaborate chicken treats and, you know, post the, the recipe and the pictures and everything. And, you know, I just laugh when people would say, I make your frozen, you know, mixed vegetable bunt pan cake thing for my chickens every week in the summer. And I'm thinking I made it once for my blog. Like, <laughs> like, like well, you guys you know? are really out there doing that. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that? I mean, I've, I've made them like suet cake, tree ornaments, but I mean, literally most of the things on the blog, I probably shouldn't even say this, but like I've done one. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's, that's what most 
bloggers and you know content creators do you create new content you don't just keep making the same thing over and over again you know so it's like a one and done type thing you know so I I never really have identified with the homesteaders because I get a lot of flack from them because I have shiplap in my coop I have curtains you know I'm just like a little too fancy for them I think um I just I like everything kind of like pretty and nice and I would, you know, I, I would be a mix. I'd want the fresh eggs, but I'd want to, I don't know, maybe have my husband go collect the eggs or something. Like I'm not <laughs> saying that to you, but like, that would be me. Like yeah. I would want, I'd, I'd have my own twist to it. So I hear you on that. I would love to hear like your typical like day in the life or like what your week looks like, like structuring out your days when you have kind of all this all these different things but like something like a cookbook is you're building up to like something really big but like content creation and all of that like how do you structure your day so I have gone both ends of the spectrum being an accountant I love spreadsheets so at one point I had a huge spreadsheet I had like all the days time slots you know I would schedule everything out on all the social media you know weeks or at least days in advance, um, you know, keep track of what I was posting when and all this other stuff. That was the one extreme. And then I've the other extreme where I'm like, oh, shoot, I haven't posted on Facebook today, uh, which is kind of where I am now. You know, a lot of times the brands will want to do a giveaway or do a post and, you know, they're like, well, what's your availability for next Thursday? And I'm like, wide open because I just, it's all entirely organic. Like I have my phone with me all the time. I see something I want to take a picture of, I take a picture of and I post it. Um, and I found it doesn't really matter, like as far as, you know, engagement or page views or revenue or anything. Like if you kill yourself trying to schedule everything out, I don't really think there's a benefit to that. Especially now with the algorithm change and it's not like a timeline stuff, it's or whatever. It's just when people are going to yeah, see it when they see it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. And they're not showing anything to anybody anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm not technically working on another cookbook, even though I'm secretly working on another cookbook. So I've been doing a lot of recipe testing, a lot of, you know, looking through cookbooks and, and recipes and things. Um, but I mean, a typical day, like I take care of the animals, I drink my coffee, I check my email. Sometimes my husband will be like, you know, what do you have planned for today? And, you know, I'll say, well, I have a podcast to chew and that's it. And next, you know, my supplier for my product line calls. And then, you know, I get an email about something and then my blog breaks and whatever. And my whole day is completely not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't, really plan stuff out. Like I have my Google calendar and I put my, you know, phone calls and podcasts and meetings and stuff. But other than that, I just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. That sounds quite nice. What also, how did you decide where to end up in Maine? You don't, don't say where you ended up, but how did you make that decision where, you know, you, aside from like Portland, a lot of people end up living in the Portland area. How did you decide to be a bit more remote? We, my husband was still working and, you know, getting ready to retire and I was home and we would just literally look at houses online all day (laughs) and we did that for like two years and, you know, I'd find the one that I liked and I'd like the kitchen and there was like room for a chicken coop and I'd send it to him, you know, he'd be like, oh, the neighbors are too close or whatever. And then he'd like one and send it to me and I'd be like, I hate the kitchen, you know, so we went back and forth and we we did that for the longest time and we had, we had zero expectations about where you know it really I wanted to be fairly close to an airport because I do travel a lot so that was important and other than that and then we just we found this house it has a cute little barn 
cute little garage. Um, the first couple of houses we looked at, I'd call the town to say, you know, can we have chickens? Because obviously we had to bring the chickens with us because mm-hmm. it's my, my job, right? And after the first two or three calls, when the person at the town office didn't even know, or there was no, they were like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I guess we realized that nobody cares what you do up here. So right. <laughs> yeah. yes. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I wonder, I've never like seen an issue with it. Like I'm picturing places I've lived in Maine and I'm like, everyone just had them. Everyone just everyone has them. And in Virginia, it was, um, we had six acres and the rule, and we were, I mean, it was fairly rural. You know, we were next to a cornfield and there were six acre plots. So we weren't in the middle of the city or anything, but we could have two large animals per acre or six small animals. So they were, I I mean, not that that anyone ever came to town, but what I will also ask, what would be a tip you'd give to someone who is looking to get started in raising their own chickens? Definitely live somewhere that you can have chickens. <laughs> I mean, and, and live somewhere that like there are not the restrictions. You know, mm. all these people got chickens, they can have five chickens. So they get five chickens. You know, they get the chicks, they grow up, they start laying eggs. Well, like three or four years from now, they're not really going to be laying eggs anymore. They can live to be 10 years old. You can't get any more chickens because you got the five that you were allowed. Like it just doesn't right. work. So move somewhere that you can have as many chickens as you want because those kind of restrictions make it really tough. Or I think Maine changed the law, but I believe when we moved here, like Tractor Supply had to sell six chicks at a time. So like if you have, you know, you can have six, and something happens to two of them you can only replace two but you have to buy six like the math just doesn't work how time consuming is it and is it something like what what's it like you know what I mean is it something anyone can really do is you really going to be farmer to do it or so super easy obviously you know there's a little bit of setup you have to get you know your coop and your your run and your pen or whatever but once you have that set up I mean literally if I had to I probably could four minutes in the morning like you you get up you go out you open their little door they all come out you give them their food and water you're done maybe check for eggs and you're done and then um look in the winter they don't lay as much but I do check for eggs more often because they'll freeze you know if they're out too long um but really you know bare minimum if you had to like if you let them out in the morning and then you go to work at the end of the day they all go in at night on their own so you literally just shut the door and you're done like it's not Mm -hmm. I think there's actually a book called chickens in five minutes a day and like if you set a timer on me I probably in five minutes total during the day is all I would need to take care of them but once you get them you know you go down you talk to them you check them all out you make sure that they're all okay you know you you watch them while they're eating like and then there's weekend things like you have to buy more food or you have to clean the coop or you know that kind of stuff but that's minimal as well this was like we missed it further back but um is there any advice that you would give to someone who might be like feeling stuck in their career um and like in something they're not passionate about, like any advice that you would say to like move forward from that? Yeah, just leave. <laughs> I mean, I, I literally, I was, you know, I was working at Morgan Stanley and um, I got to work one day and I just looked around and I was like, this is not, this is not where I belong at all. So I just like put my sneakers back on, got my breakfast. I walked out and I took the train back home and I called my boss from the train station and left a voicemail because he wasn't in yet. And I was like, I quit. 
I just, I couldn't, you know, and I mean, obviously everyone doesn't have the financial, you know, and I mean, I, I guess I was too young to realize that was a really stupid thing to do, you know, um, although I was working on Wall Street, and, you know, we were making a lot of money. So not that I saved a ton, but um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think there, there were people like even back then when I quit, you know, working and opened the bookstore, I think that there were people that I worked with and my friends who were sort of, I don't know if jealous is the word, but you know, they didn't like their jobs. And I was like, well, don't just keep complaining about it. Do something about it. Like make a plan, decide what you want to do, start saving a little bit of money, you know, whatever you need to do, just do it. Don't just stay there and keep complaining about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get a little bit more granular here. Let's say someone has been in the same job for 30 years. They, they're feeling called to something and they don't quite know what it is. They are feeling stuck what's some tangible advice you could give them on how they could even, even like the faith you had in that, like, this is going to work out. It's not that big of a deal. What's some advice you could give to someone like that? I mean, that is hard, you know, after 30 years, but I mean, I would guess that they could cash out. They'd probably get a pretty, you know, a decent severance. So, you know, when I opened the bookstore, like it was bare bones, like I did not buy a thing that I didn't need. So you have to be ready for, you know, your discretionary income is going to change a lot and opening a business, there's obviously a lot of risk, but, you know, these days it's a lot easier because, you know, you could open an Etsy shop and you could on the side start, you know, making greeting cards or whatever it is that your passion is, you know, selling knitting patterns or something like that. And you could do that on the side while you're working. It would be something that you'd look forward to when you were home in the evenings or on weekends, start to build up a shop like that you know, to earn a little extra income, but also decide if it's something that you really wanted to do. And I think maybe that would make the job not suck so much if you had this other thing that you were doing that you really loved. Great advice. That's really great advice. I mean, this was really, really interesting. I loved hearing your story. Is there anything else that we may have missed that isn't getting the full story across or like your passion, your interests? I just... I feel like there's so much, like you have so much knowledge. I just want to soak up and you live such a cool life. I mean, I just, I feel like, like seriously, these days, especially it's just, it is so easy. I mean, everybody has, everyone has a phone. You could run a blog off of your phone. You know, if you think that there's something that you want to write about or talk about or whatever, start a blog. I mean, you can start one for free. There's just so many ways to like earn an alternative income nowadays that weren't available, you know, even 10 years ago, you know, I don't think it should hold anybody back. And I know a lot of people kind of have one foot still in the corporate world and one foot in, you know, whatever they're doing. And there's so many things that you can do to earn a living. Do you think that if you were coming out of college now in today's world, going for accounting, like, do you think it would have been any different were you? Do you think maybe you would have been in accounting, like starting your blog or in accounting, but doing like content creation? Like, do you think your trajectory would have been any different? Because I feel like you would have always had this draw to do what you're doing now, even though you might have not known it. But I'm wondering, like, now that it's very open and out there that you can do this stuff, do you think it would have gone differently? I kind of feel like I might have had the same path, but I don't think each section would have lasted as long. I think it would have been much quicker. You know, I look at like some of these 
young girls now who, you know, have been blogging since they were 21 and at, you know, 26 or 27, they're getting their first book deal. Like imagine having your whole career ahead of you that, you know, you've got a book deal with a major publisher at 26 or 27 years old. Like that's crazy. Like what you could do with that kind of career, you know? So I think I, I think I would have made the same decisions, but I wouldn't have stayed in, in any one place as long. Like I think, I think it would have been accelerated. That makes sense. It must be just crazy to like, ha- like be so far into your career and see how different things are now. Like even Ashley and I are only, you know, so far into our career, like late twenties and like, you can already tell the difference between generations. So it must be a world different to be like, it, looking at the younger generation now and like them just you know posting TikTok videos and you're like oh I've been like working on all of this stuff for for so long I would have never known it would be like this but I think one of the problems is that people who go straight from you know either high school or college or whatever into being an influencer or being on TikTok like they don't have the life skills and like they like I said they don't have maybe an accounting degree maybe they've never worked in an office you know that's not sustainable like you're not really building a brand if you're on a social media platform you know because that platform could go away at any moment mm-hmm. you know fall by the wayside go the way of Facebook so you've got to have something more tangible than that well, it's like what you did. You d- like turn it into sales. So you've got like a book deal. Like now you have a different like books are they're not going anywhere. I mean, they'll change, you know, change mediums or whatever. So I love what you did. You converted it and made it into a more sustainable platform. Like when I create something, I want it to be something that a month from now or six months or a year from now, someone can still find. Like, I don't want to spend three days creating a reel that after, you know, two days, it's not going to show up on anybody's page. Like I want to, I want to create like my TV show. That's something that is going to live on. My books are going to live on my blog, you know, Mm -hmm. things that are are more long lived, I guess, if I'm going to spend time doing something. Exactly. That totally makes sense. I also, this is so interesting because Liz and I typically like when we'll uh, interview a content creator or something, they usually run off to New York or Hollywood or well, whatever, LA. And it's just so cool to see someone who's done content creation. Cause really a lot of our podcast is just to like show people you can still have a fantastic career, a great life without living in like one of the major cities. So that's really like the big theme of our, you know, we were a little bitter when we decided we were going to continue living in Maine and we weren't going to run off like, you know, we graduated college to New York or LA or something and live those cool girl in quotes lives. Um, so we set off to be like, find people that live in similar places to us that are very fulfilled, happy, etc. cetera. Um, so you fit the, the mold. Maine perfectly. has been wonderful. I mean, I was on we weren't here a month, I think, before Bill Green, Bill Green asked if I wanted to be on his show. So for anyone who, you know, grew up in Maine, I mean, I didn't know who he was. I didn't grow up in Maine. My father-in-law was just like, I can't believe it. Bill Green, you know, um, I was in Down East Magazine. They came out here and they did a feature. Um, this month, I'm actually working with Stonewall Kitchen and Oakhurst Dairy. I did the thing for Maine Spirits, you know, so I have a lot of Maine brands reaching out to me it's just such a tight knit community. I think there's tons of opportunities and we're only an hour flight from New York. So, you know, especially with COVID with Zoom, I mean, I was on, you know, Good Day Houston and KTLA and, you know, good morning this and good morning that and all from our kitchen. Like I didn't need to leave. 
mm-hmm. I think it matters less these days where you live. Yeah. You know, because I, so much is, is Zoom or remote. I agree. I think that, first of all, I think the benefit to living in a small place similar like such as Maine is the support of like everyone wants to see someone like yourself like we love watching people be successful so like we will Mm -hmm. put like we'll put you in the magazine we'll put you on the tv show like you can climb so fast because people like I don't think about the fact that like celebrities we have that live in Maine like you can count them on one hand and like that's generous so anytime something big happens here we're blasting it everywhere no, it's true. And if you live in LA and you do something, nobody cares. Exactly. Or a dime a dozen. I think it's also telling how many celebrities actually do decide to live in Maine at least part of the year. Yeah. You know, right. Yes. Especially authors, because you obviously can write anywhere. And mm-hmm. all the authors that choose to live in Maine, and I do read a lot of them, it's fascinating to me because they can choose to live anywhere they want. They choose Maine. Mm-hmm. So I think that says a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I but- feel like with your following I'm sure it's a lot of Mainers too like just supporting and I'm sure you must get recognized when you go to the store or just like out and about anywhere in Maine I feel like you have a very familiar face I do as once my TV started show started airing uh, on New Center Maine like if we go out to a restaurant the waitress you know we'll recognize we went out to Best Buy my Corey just joined us I told him he had to be quiet um (laughs) we went to Best Buy and one of the girls I could see she was whispering to the other girl um, so yeah, I do get recognized a fair amount, which I love. My husband hates. Yeah. I was actually on a plane when the Down East magazine came out and the woman sitting next to me was reading it. You know, we had said hello when she sat down and she was flipping through the magazine and she got to the article, you know, with me and she looked at it and she looked at me and she did it a couple of times. And I was like, yeah, that's She's me. like holding it next to you. It was really cool. That I was is like, so yeah, cool. I, I was like, I want to sign your magazine, but she's that would be weird because she didn't ask me (laughs) (laughs) I got my pen if you need it crazy well anywho this was so fantastic Lisa I Liz and I so appreciate it I think we might have one final question for you what is something you could tell if you were telling 21 year old Lisa who just graduated college what would you tell her I think I would say don't do anything differently and just keep following your gut like like I said at the beginning, it's a full circle. Like I'm exactly where I belong. I'm pretty much how I grew up <laughs> raising chickens in the country in New England. Um, but you have to take the road that you're meant to take. So you just have to like go with your gut. And, and what mm-hmm. feels right is probably the, what you should be doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you wouldn't change anything and you still would get there. Could you share with all of our listeners where they can find you, your Instagram, your website, where they can buy your cookbooks, everything that they need to know? Yeah, super easy. Uh, at Fresh Eggs Daily on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, although I think that's pretty much that. I haven't been there in a while. Uh, my blog is fresheggsdaily.com and my first cookbook is the Fresh Eggs Daily cookbook. My first book was also titled Fresh Eggs Daily. I'm super consistent like that then everyone can always find you. That's, that is key. Yeah, it is really important when you're building a brand. Oh, and, and if anyone is listening in Maine, Sherman's uh, carries my books, I know, and the Barnes and Noble and Augusta has them. So, you know, definitely shop local, check your local library. They should have them. Well, Lisa, thank you so, so much. This was fantastic. And uh, hey, Liz, that was a good one. Let's go see the chickens. (laughs) 